Hello, and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the index packet forensic files with your host, Michael Morris. This week's very special guest is Neil Wilkins, Technical Director for EMEA at Garland Technology. Neil, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Hi, Michael. Thanks for inviting me, to be honest. Oh, background. I think I've been around this tree too many times, you know. Um, uh, I started my career in the UK government. Um, And ironically, not in in this line of business as an engineer. Um, And the the government struggled to get people that were graduates in in the computing industry. So they, they retrained me. And from retraining me, they suddenly realized I had this weird ability to see things in a strange way and move me into a security area. Uh, And from there, I've been in commercial industry pretty much all my life, mainly in um, networking and security and and in and out. And and I've been in Garland for the last three years or so now. No, your your background really fits what I want to get into today, which is... um... Obviously, a lot of challenges in the network security space, um, but one of the ones I'm hearing more and more about, especially in large environments, is really having security at scale. And so what I'd like to kind of start off with your perspective of what does that mean and why is it why is it so difficult versus maybe not at scale? <laughs> uh, yeah, from my my perspective, I, I look at it back from the 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 incredible first principles nothing exciting nothing difficult just plan for the growth that you may have mm. and that can be in really simple things like having a reliable inventory having your maps up to date uh, easily maintained that type of thing i remember as a a junior engineer this the most frustrating thing when you've got a problem not to be able to identify what is on any system. So for me, that's the first level. And then after that, you, your operations groundwork is critical. So all of your instant response plans, the procedure for commonly encountered issues, those type of thing, and then look at that. And then really, you're going to need training, aren't you? Because one one thing, you know, this is going to grow quicker than your security teams are. uh, And you're going to need training and collaborative work. So that's kind of how I look at um, that growth strategy and and what I think about as security, you know, planning for the growth, really. No, it's it's great you brought up that training. I definitely want to come back to that later because... You know, these security fire drills is, is a common theme I continue to hear about. But what are some specific challenges that you see uh, for organizations to implement strong security at, at really large scale? I don't know if you're seeing this in the States, but definitely Europe. The, one of the biggest challenges at the moment is a skills gap. There is an incredible skills gap and try to recruit anybody is an absolute nightmare. So that's the first problem that we're suffering, you know, whether we're a customer, whether we're in the industry or whatever, you try and get somebody and get somebody that knows what they're doing. Then 
on top of that, there's so many compliance mandates now. Mm. And these are coming so quick in all industries. Um, we were, You and I were discussing a little bit earlier about the way the market's going up. I'm spending a lot of time in the OT market mm. and that OT and environment IT market merging. And then there's that complexity in there of, well, just think of cloud. I <laughs> think the last few years in the cloud, you know, I, I get lost with cloud services now. We've got multi-cloud, we've got hybrid cloud, we've got <laughs> cloud native applications. You think just stick cloud in front of something, but we've made it difficult, haven't we? And then we're making it, um, the speed of business transition and transformation uh, is tough. It's tough. I mean, we're here to support it, not slow it down. Yeah. And not slow it down in any respect. So for me, that that's one of the though some of the challenges at this present moment in time. No, we're, we're definitely seeing the skills gap, the resource gap. I think part of it to your point of, you know, you, you brought up OT is really the, um, the connection of, of different, I'll say different disciplines, right? Security yeah. is, as, as you know, right, is really everyone's problem. And you've got networking teams, you've got OT teams, you've got IT teams, you've got application development teams and, and bringing them all together to uh, embrace the same challenge. <laughs> yeah, and, and OT teams are um, very intransigent to change. And I, and I can understand it, you know. <laughs> Those, those are long-standing just, networks. Yeah, they're long-standing. They've been there. They're working. Um, not long before you and I came on this call, there was an indicative to me, actually. My laptop or my desktop decided to reboot itself to do a patch. I thought, not now, please, <laughs> not now. <laughs> and, and, you know, you can understand it from their point of view. You, you know, they don't want things coming down. Uh, right. And they don't want to change it. Largely don't know what they've got as well, to be fair. No, absolutely. So yeah. what, what are you seeing most organizations fall short in their strategies uh, and approaches for being successful when they're trying to do things at scale? You know, uh, the data growth since the pandemic has really, really doubled. Um, and if you think about it, risks have doubled possibly more than that. Right. And I guess that's no small part again to the cloud. Um, the modernization of what we're doing by the regulation mandates that we're putting on there um, on top of companies. And I, I think I read somewhere it's last two or three years, cyber attacks have been the biggest cause of downtime. Mm. Uh, something like three quarters of companies reporting, you know, ransomware events. So that frequency is really speeding and it's alarming but I, I know I read and I, I remember panicking about it myself thinking that 30% of companies couldn't recover all their lost data. Wow. So to me, that means there's a short footfall happening in your, you know, your data protection, the recovery sort of thing. And to me, that there needs to be some sort of strategy in place to, to plug those holes. Right. No, and I think, well, you, you mentioned the volume of data increasing since the pandemic. I think the the volume of attacks and attacks using information that people are interested in, you know, um, yeah. you know, phishing attacks and, you know, 
alerts that you're getting. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. And, you know, news updates with global events, <laughs> things like that happening. Just it's it's opening the door to so many fishing entry points, right? Is is really crazy. Yeah, and it is. And don't forget, our supply chains are getting really long nowadays as well. Yeah. So once we start to look at the length of those supply chains and where this is happening inside the supply chain, you know, it, it is a problem. It, it definitely is. And the sophistication is so clever. It really is clever. No, absolutely. Yeah. So what are some thoughts or, or key recommendations uh, you might suggest for, for any CISO or the large organization to start with, just to get on the right path for improving their security posture? Well, I think let's assess the risk. Um, you know, let's assess the risk, identify it and mitigate it. But, but what you do has to be proportional to the level of risk you've got. Right. So, I mean, I, I always think back when I was, um, I had a young pre-sales person working for me many, many years ago, and we, we were doing something with a, with a global company. And, and in fairness, it was expensive because we, we came in at the Rolls-Royce version and they may have wanted the Ford, who knows. But he always said to them, he said, well, you pay for your level of paranoia, do you, don't you? So, and I thought, I remember cringing and thinking, mm, he said it as it is, but really you've got to perform that risk assessment um, against what you believe is the important asset, assets, the likely exploits, and then the impact it's going to have, but it has to be proportional to the level of the risk. Yeah. Once you've done that, you need some sort of management plan right. because without it, you don't know where to start. Who has the responsibility to do what and where? And if you, do, if you don't do that, you're going to fail that, what do they call it, the, the 11060 challenge of detect, understand, and contain. Right. But you then need to prioritise that against the business impact the vulnerabilities by the business. And, and to me, the thing that people always seem to always cringe about, but it's the obvious one, then break it down and then test, 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 and test. Just keep testing yeah. and then build that dynamic um, procedure, or whatever we like to call it, that management plan against the testing and I have been into so many places where they don't test. Or if they do test, they test today and they don't test frequently and then review and update. And that's the last trick around it for me. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And again, that coincides with, I mentioned it earlier, I've talked with a number of CISOs lately over the past nine months. Um, and test and simulate, right? Do fire yeah. drills because yeah. you, you may test individual components, but if you don't know how it works end to end and how your teams will respond, you know, kind of back to your comment earlier on about the training. Yeah. You know, do they know to, you know, get authorities involved? Do they know to save the, save the critical data? You know, those types of things. Um, those are all yeah. key pieces to really get into it. 
And don't forget, with the new manatoriums that are around, you've got to report some of this as well. Yeah. You, do, you are, you know, mandated to report to certain authorities some of these things that you're doing and, and some of these exploits and, and protection methods. Um, many, many years ago, I worked at a, an, um, it was actually a disaster recovery system with the UK bank. Um, and when we put the whole plan together, and finished at the end, one of the things I said is, well, you need to test it. And they said, well, I said, you do need to test it. What happens if this scenario happens? And they said, well, our staff wouldn't be that daft. And I said, but, but you don't know, do you? No. Until that moment, you may not have properly trained them. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, not how, know how any of us will respond under pressure and at that moment in time, which right. goes back to what you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of switching gears a little bit, but it's it's closely related. We're seeing just tremendous growth and adoption of SOAR platforms. And, yeah. and with with our tools specifically, looking to get you know packet data as part of their SOAR playbooks. Um, they're, so they're becoming key for many yeah. large organizations simply because the volume of, of alarms and alerts. Um, oh, yeah. So what, what are your, your thoughts or recommendations to our listeners who are thinking about deploying a SOAR, uh, SOAR solution? I think you need to kind of identify the use case that your solution you're trying to solve. Talk to whatever you like to call them, your analysts, your, your people inside, and understand what their pain points are. So what the repetitive task they feel is unproductive and what is boring them, which is probably the same thing. And I, and I can go back to working previously in, a, in my previous company where there was an IDS solution that um, I'd have got them to put in, to be honest. And I was down with our IT guys sorting out a problem on my laptop and I said to one of the guys, I said, what's all that? And he said, that's the IDS logs from the stuff that you made us put in. I said, do you look at it? He said, absolutely not. It's just boring. <laughs> it's boring. I haven't got time to do that. Oh so, goodness. yeah. So you think, but you can understand why. When I saw him, I thought, uh, yeah, I can see what you mean. So I think that's the first place to start because if you've got people like that that's boring it's a repetitive task i'll do it when i've got to it i don't want to do it understand that case and then yeah. get your your workflow sorted and ready so that you're have proper documented procedures for handling specific threats so you can know what tools you have so if you know what tools are being used and where you're doing it and what that procedure is then you're ready. If you don't know that, then you need to start that because, right. you know, once you start automating something <laughs> and you haven't got it in the first place, you're just going to compound yeah, the problem. You yeah. got the cart before the horse if you do that. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're just exactly, you're, you know, you you haven't got your workflow right. You And it's that, that you use to create your playbook. Um, and then you need to integrate it all properly, don't you? And then yeah. test again. Then we're back to what we said. We test and then measure your improvement. Yeah. No, that, that's really good inputs. Uh, you know, one of the things we're, we're seeing too is along those lines is people 
biting off more than they, they can choose. Start small, start with a specific use case or two. Um, yeah. But what are some other things you think socks should avoid when rolling out a store? Um, I think you, you, you need to think about the instance again. You know, okay. think about the instant response before you automate it. So automation is is a really big sell, obviously, is, you know, and we could go on back, all the way back to the very first question. We say, you know, once we get bigger, we automate it. Yeah. But when you automate it, 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 it brings its own, I'm not say challenges, but um, if you do it rushed, you're going to have inefficiency inside there and then you exasperate the problem. Yeah. But then the next side, and we can also come back, really, can't we, to what we were saying earlier on. You need to align your in-house skills as well. So you need to align them, and it's back to training, isn't it? Because you need to align that back to whatever platforms you decide on. Right. And then adapt it all because it's going to evolve. No, absolutely. Great input on the adapting because nothing's constant in this business, right? <laughs> no, and that that comes back to really what we said earlier, wasn't it, Michael? You know, if you test and you keep testing, then things will add to it and they will evolve and you need to adapt both your, all your policies and the way it was all running as well. Yep, no. So looking forward... Um, we always like our guests to kind of be the forecaster, shall we say, of of the security weather map. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, so, so what's one thing in your mind that our listeners should really think about or look out for over the next six to 18 months, uh, you know, in the ever-shifting battle for cybersecurity? Well, um, I think if I would have been an accurate forecaster i'd probably be in hawaii or on the gold coast now <laughs> sipping something <laughs> so i i'm i'm gonna go for what i kind of see that's happening a lot at the moment i'm i've got very heavily involved with ot okay. and obviously with the it background so what I have really noticed is those two things are merging yeah. and those two are definitely merging. And we've got um, those silos again of people that understand IT, understand OT. Um, there's probably people that are dangerous like me that understand bits of both. <laughs> yeah. But what I have seen is asset identifying your assets and if you can't identify your assets and your flow of data you've got problems and i've noticed that that is that is not good that is not good on on lots of levels in multiple companies and for me that that looks to be a problem whether that's the end of your, you know, what we can forecast in the cybersecurity, I don't know. But it is if there's something that I would say at this moment keeps me thinking, it's that, is that identification and that workflow between them or just the flow of data. And as we mentioned earlier, we've made it complex as well. Even the cloud comes into OT now and you think, ooh, 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's, that's that's tremendous insight. We I had I was talking with the CISO uh, that focuses on OT not too long ago, and um, they were telling me this story, Neil, where they were doing a discovery uh, on. It, it was targeted around the OT network, but like you had described, the networks are merging together. Yeah. And they they found that they had, um, I believe it was an Xbox. Now it could have been a different gaming system, but I think <laughs> it was an Xbox. They they said they discovered on the network, and I'm like, so this was a mission critical OT environment that was now connected to part of their just general network infrastructure, and they discovered an Xbox on it. Yeah, it's just that's back to somebody being bored, isn't it? Because well, yeah, it's a network, and yeah, I mean, it's maybe that, yeah. even in the employee break room, right? No, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, it could be anywhere. Yeah, having and, it, and but, um, having it on the same network with those devices was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I looked at a company for somebody the other week, and it, it was in a manufacturing environment, and it was expanded out as this massive, you know, network map, and you think, why are those two connected together? And and should they be connected together? And when I asked them, I said, "Which way does your traffic flow here?" <laughs> <laughs> and there was a a, you know, a lot of scratching of heads. So, uh, and unfortunately, a lot of these OT networks have been in there for donkey's years because they work. Yeah. They do work, and and there is that issue of they're not really updated because the man at the bottom thinks, "Oh, it works. Leave it alone. Leave it alone." So. I can see that as a, a bit of a challenge for all of us. Um, and we know that people are getting much more sophisticated now as well on their attacks. Yeah. Well, and even to your point, some of those devices and infrastructures, they're not even updatable anymore. Once you get no, they're so, not. so old, they're not. right? You're, you kind of just keep it yeah. running. They're in maintenance mode. And, and um, until they get yeah. a completely new system. Exactly. Nothing, they're not. Some of they them can are. really do. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are. I have seen Windows 98 systems still in this last year, <laughs> sitting in the corner and working still. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Well, Neil, oh. I, I want to thank you for taking some time with us. We really appreciate getting your expertise uh, and sharing your insights and how to better secure networks. We'd ask our listeners to tune in next time for another edition of the Endace Packet Forensic Files. For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with our fusion technology partners like Garland Technology, please go to endace.com. So Neil, thanks again for taking some time with us. And you, Michael, thank you for the time. All right.